Okay. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Good to see you on Zoom. Well, not to see you, but I hope you're enjoying seeing me this morning. Good to see you on Zoom. Hello, Zoom land. And good to see you all. My name's Matt. It's my privilege to carry on speaking this morning from 1 Corinthians. Could you turn in, in a Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 10? Be good to have it in front of you. I'm going to be going through the NIV version. And um, please, if you've got that, just turn to that. And uh, let me pray as we begin. Thank you, Jesus. You promised not to leave us, but to come and be with us by the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you are risen and you are present. Come and teach us this morning, Lord Jesus. Come and teach us. Open our minds and help us to respond with soft hearts to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 to 13. We're going to be going through it in chunks, as I quite like to do, so that we'll touch on it as we go along. But um, the title of my message today is Set Your Heart. Say, set your heart. Point at me and say, set your heart. Yeah, set your heart. You, set your heart on God. Set your heart on serving him. Set your heart on knowing him. Set your heart. The Bible talks a lot about the heart, a massive amount about the heart. The importance of the heart is the center point from which flows our lives. From the heart flows speech, flows actions. And when you become a Christian, your heart is renewed and transformed. You're born again of the Holy Spirit, but we still need to protect and set the heart, as in focus the heart, set your heart. And we're going to be talking about that today from 1 Corinthians. Whole, the whole of 1 Corinthians really is about that. Stop setting your heart on selfishness and setting your heart on your own pleasures, your own self-centeredness, and set your heart on serving Jesus and serving others. As I've been preparing this, as is the case, obviously, I am forced to ask myself, Matt, how is your heart for God? How is your heart for people? We went out for dinner with some friends last night and they, they asked us, how are you doing? Do you, you like that question? How are you doing? It's a big question, isn't it? And as, I, as I'm prone to, I, I, I tend to say, well, it depends what time of day you ask me. If it's, in the, you know, if it's in the morning when I'm bright and cheerful, yeah, I tend to be. If it's late, late at night when I'm maybe a bit tired and grumpy, you know, things, I feel like, feel like the world is falling apart. And particularly through this season, my heart's been tested and challenged. Do I, do, I, do I want to serve God? Do I want to serve Jesus? Do I want to run away, escape to the country? I won't say, do you want to raise, raise your hand if you want to escape to the country? Because you'd always raise your hand, wouldn't you? No, you wouldn't. No, no, some of you wouldn't. Escape. Get away. How is your heart? Am I passionate for Jesus? Am I, loving your, am I loving his people? When, when, when I speak, do I encourage people in God? Do I share my faith readily? 
What's in the heart comes out of the mouth. Does it? Does it, Matt? How's my life? And I know that I've got a long way to go. And it's not a one-off process, is it? Setting the heart is a daily thing, but it's throughout the day, constantly resetting the heart. I remember going to visit somebody. I may have shared this story with you before. I can't remember. But I, I, I went to somebody. Somebody was selling books, Christian books. And I went with a friend to visit this person who was selling their books. And they had all these boxes of books, Christian books. And as it went along, it turned out that this, this man had, with his family, start, tried to start a church and had, had given up. And he'd become bitter. And he'd become bitter, particularly with people, that he felt unsupported. He'd felt that people didn't help him out as much as he sh- they should have done and so on, which is a temptation for all of us. I'm sure you all feel a little bit like someone should be helping me out a bit more than they are, you know, maybe at work, in the church, whatever. Bitterness in relationships comes in. Bitterness with God comes in. And he was selling his books. And I thought it was just such a sad situation where... This person obviously was so passionate for Jesus, he was prepared to move somewhere and start a church, which is a hard thing to do. Was then, had lost heart, had lost passion, had become bitter. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be Christian leaders, but we can all be passionate for Jesus and end up selling the books, as it were. End up giving up on ambition for God. We've become, maybe not just embittered, maybe we're just become unambitious, focused on everything else, and maybe God is something, you know, he's important to us, but sort of important, you know, out there somewhere, on the side, rather than central to us. And um, it's got to be the case, because church in this nation is weak and is declining in many places, and the reason for that is the heart. The church isn't what she should be, and we are not as we should be, because, and I'm not as I should be, because of the heart. Because of my heart, your heart. Have I given, have I, have I, am I loving God as I should be? And if I do, that is the answer. That is the one answer to your joy and to finding proper fulfillment and helping your friends to know Jesus. And if you're not a Christian, knowing Jesus is the answer. He's the way, the truth, the life. He is the one. You can know him. You can know life. But we've got to set the heart keep resetting it. Today we'll see that we can experience great things from God. We can see miracles. We can have great moments of joy in our past. But our past experiences and past passion don't guarantee the future passion and experiences. And I would hope that for all of us we've got current stories and future ambition, rather than just talking about the past. Talking of books, I hope we're all still learning. You don't have to read. There's tons of podcasts, wonderful stuff. And and you're here this morning, which is wonderful. You know, we've got to keep growing in our faith. But the past, we can't live in the past. We can't live on the past. God wants to take us into the future, full of faith. New exploits. New miracles, new opportunities, 
sharing our faith, new things, set our heart. Constantly, we, the heart's like the compass. It's got, you've got to reset, reset yourself. If you ever use a compass, you've got to constantly refer to it, refer to the compass, refer to the compass, and reset your direction. And all of us need to reset our direction all the time because we're all prone to the world, the flesh, the devil. We're all prone to discouragement. We're all prone to it. That's why it's so important that Hebrews says, don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. That's why we come together. Your growth is a community project, isn't it? Your, your maturity, my maturity is a community project. We need each other. So we've got to set our heart, reset the compass, encouraging each other. Let's reflect, as it begins with reading our passage, reflect on how Israel lost their way. They didn't set their heart on this particular instant here. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, they all passed through the sea, they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food, drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the rock that accompanied them. That rock was Christ. I want you to see there, the writer of the Hebrews is, and one of the things about the Bible it's important when you're, when you're trying to understand it is, is pick up the tone the tone and feel of, of, of the passage. What, the, the tone here is quite, it's, it's sober, isn't it? It's sober, it's strong, it's, it's a challenge to us. And it, it's important, I do not want you to be ignorant, brothers and sisters. It's important that we're not ignorant of what's going on here in this passage. And as I said, the point of what we're saying this morning is we can lose our way. We can be Christians, we can serve God, we can lose our way by not setting our hearts. I don't want you to be ignorant of this. And he's using this story of Israel, how they didn't set their heart, how they lost their way. We can begin with worship. Israel began with worship. The, 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 what, the, uh, what Paul is referring to here is referring to the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt and into the wilderness. He's referring back to that incident. And I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact of how they, God had brought them out of Egypt and, and through the Red Sea, they'd seen great miracles. Just imagine if you'd seen the sea part. Walked through the sea and then God destroyed Egypt as they chased them. Great miracles they'd seen. Manna in the desert. But they begin with worship. You would worship, wouldn't you, if God had parted the sea for you? You would worship if God gave you, you didn't have to go to the Sainsbury's and buy your food. We'd all like that, wouldn't we? Free food all the time. Graham, you'd like that, wouldn't you? Yeah. More manna, more manna, more manna. Fill up the cupboards, fill them up, fill them up. Keep storing the manna, more and more manna. We'd all want more, all free food. We'd worship God, wouldn't we? And it says here in, in Exodus 15, and as they came through the sea, it says this, Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. 
Both horse and rider he is hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength, my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father, Father's God, I will exalt him. You see the song they're singing. You've set me free. You've delivered me. You've destroyed the enemy. You've brought me out. The kind of songs we sing. We don't sing. Obviously, we believe in the parting of the Red Sea and all that, but we sing because... God parted heaven. He came down. Jesus came to the earth. He came to die on the cross for you and me. And he rose from death. And he's, as it were, parted the sea of our sin. And he's, he's taken away that, that chasm that we couldn't cross by our own works. Jesus died for us. So you can now know God as a friend. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can know God. That's what we are celebrating. Israel started like that. But I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors enjoyed all these things. But as we're going to see, they didn't continue. They didn't set their heart. We can begin with worship. We can begin by following God. Following God, it it makes this reference here, doesn't it, to the cloud. There's lots of clouds in the Old Testament. Particularly, this is referring to the cloud. There was actually fire and cloud that led Israel through the wilderness and protected them as well. And we can read here from Exodus 13. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud, guided them. Just imagine that. You don't need sat-nav anymore, you know, you just the pillar of clouds going ahead of you. Show me how to get shepherd's bush, cloud, and the fire goes ahead of you. All the, you know, all the people get out of the way and all the scooters, little, scoot, little electric scooters, get out of the way because your fire's going ahead of you. It's like that. So they could travel by day or night, neither the pillar of cloud by day nor miracles, the parting of the sea. They're coming out of Egypt. They're destroying the enemy. They are uh, being led by God. So we can begin with worship. We can begin by being led by God, following God, wanting to know his will for our lives, wanting to know what his opinions are from his words, wanting to know the Holy Spirit and walk with the Holy Spirit, wanting to follow him in every aspect of our lives. But we can fall, and they fell. They lost their way. They didn't set their heart. It says, and carrying on with our reading from 1 Corinthians 10, verse 5, Nevertheless, nevertheless, although, although they experienced great miracles, although they experienced leading through the sea, freedom from slavery, although they experienced the cloud, although they experienced all of those wonderful things, the manna, all of that, Nevertheless, and, and for you brothers and sisters, you can experience great worship, knowing God, believing Jesus died for you, believing you're saved, seeing miracles, seeing great things. This is what he's saying here. He's warning Christians. Now, I don't believe that Christians can lose their salvation, but Paul doesn't bring that up. Because he believes 
that people who are Christians will want to listen to him. He doesn't go off on a side issue talking about how you can or can't lose your salvation. Because I believe this morning, if you are a Christian, you will want to set your heart. Amen? You're going to listen to this. I don't, I don't need to go on a big tangent about losing your salvation or not losing your salvation. Because you don't want to lose your salvation. And you're not going to lose your salvation. You want to follow Jesus, don't you? So let's listen. It says, but they fell. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. What a terrible fate. They were not careful to set their hearts. This is the, feel the tone of this, the tone of this. Just what, 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 God is warning us. Church, isn't he? Warning you personally, but he's warning us as a church. Set your heart today, tomorrow, the next day. It's a lifestyle, isn't it? Setting the heart. We can all worship, we can all follow, and we can fall. Unless we set our heart. The wilderness. Let's think about that wilderness for a minute, or the desert, the wilderness. Now, when we become a Christian, just like Egypt, uh, Israel. Israel came out of Egypt, and it was hard. They didn't come out of Egypt into the land flowing with milk and honey. They came out of Egypt into a wilderness. And you're going to see they're going to grumble. They're going to be fearful. They're going to lack. They're going to. They're going to worry about water and food. And obviously so, right? And the point being is God wants to point out to you and me that you are a Christian, but you are not in heaven yet. We're not, we don't live in heaven on earth. We live in this world, this fallen world, where there are demonic powers at work, where many do not believe what you believe. And you're on a mission to help people to come, come to know Jesus. You live in a fallen world where there is sickness. You live in a fallen world where there is war, famine. We've, we've been brought face to face with this, haven't we, recently? Think about this, the, the pandemic we've just been through. We've, we've been kicked in the teeth with that a number of times. And then, now, you are being kicked in the teeth by a war on our, not quite on our doorstep, but not far off, right? It's not far off, is it? And we've had other wars as well. Syria, still going on, isn't it? Terrible situations. Yemen. Terrible. Around the world. Conflicts all over the place, but Ukraine's, you know, Right there on our doorstep, isn't it? Feels close. And this is, this is the desert you live in, you see. This is the desert I live in. And this desert can, can make, you th- make you sin. Can make you distrust God. Can, make, can stop you serving Him. It, you know, stop you being generous. Stop you loving people. Stop you sharing your faith can make you compromise on what you believe because it's politically incorrect. This is the desert. 
that you live in and I live in. God's miraculously saved you if you're a Christian. He's brought you out of Egypt. He's died for your sins. He's guaranteed heaven for you. He's even guaranteed the restoration of all things at the end of history. But right now, you live in a fallen world. The same world Jesus lived in. Same world Israel lived in. And there's many disappointments. You would have, you'll have a, a whole range of things in your life that you're struggling with at the moment that can cause us to not set our heart on God and his, on Him. Rather, set our heart on fear. And protect, you know, false overprotection, overprotection. Trying to protect ourselves. Selfish ambition. Not, not serving Him, not serving others. The Bible teaches that, as we're seeing here, a person or a group can experience amazing things and yet fall. That's the point of this passage. Set your heart. Say, set your heart. Say, set your heart, Matt. I need to. We've got to set it. Learn from those who failed to reset their heart. Now, verse 6, carrying on. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. And I think this is the, the main bit of the text I really wanted to focus on. Set your heart. These examples keep, are there to stop you they're recorded in Scripture. In fact, these things even occurred so that somehow in the sovereignty of God, which I can't explain to you, somehow in the mystery of God overseeing history, because God is sovereign over everything, you know. God's not, it's not the devil who's in control. God is in control. Otherwise, you haven't got a God that's trustworthy. God is in control. God is sovereign. Egypt, you know, the Egyptians were not in control. The enemy was not in control. God was in control. But he parted the sea, led them through. You know, he showed them he was in control. He was teaching them. But he says these things occurred as examples to keep us so God has allowed these things in history to keep us from setting our hearts. You see, if these experiences hadn't been there, you see, we wouldn't have the examples to warn us, would we? Let's carry on. Do not be idolaters. And you're going to see here there are four main sins that we're going to focus on in application. Four main things. How we can set our hearts, okay? So... Do not be idolaters. That's the first one, idolatry, idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat, to drink, got up, to, to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality. That's the next one, idolatry, sexual immorality. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ, thirdly, test Christ. 
That means to judge God. We should not judge God. We should not accuse God. Do not test Christ, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. Do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by destroying angel. That's heavy, right? Just hear the tone of this. This is, this is, this is serious stuff. This is sobering. May God, by His Spirit, help each of us to t- listen to God this morning. Four examples, idolatry, the first one. We, rather than setting our heart on God, we can set our hearts in idolatry. Now, what's happening, so to bring it back to the Corinthian situation, which is obviously written to, it's not written to us, it's written to the Corinthians first. They, as we saw a few weeks ago, and we'll see next week, were some of the members were going to eat meat in pagan or or, or idol temples. And in so doing, they were tempting the other Christians in their church to think that idolatry is okay and to pull them back into their past life of idolatry. And God is warning them, do not... Do not get involved in idolatry and do not tempt others to get involved in idolatry. Idolatry, false religion, false worship, it's not okay. This, hear this. We live in a, a culture, right, don't we? It's okay to worship idols. Jesus is just another exp- a cultural expression of religion. But of course, religion, all, the typical phrase, all roads lead to heaven. Do you, this is not what God is teaching us today in his word. The, the tone of this, the, the warning of this, we can be in no doubt that we cannot add to Jesus. It's out of our culture, I appreciate that. And, it, and if you're visiting today, I appreciate it. Maybe out, you know, you, you may be finding this difficult to hear, but I, I hope you can see that we are trying to be true to the text here, rather than just tell you what you want to hear. Maybe. So sexual immorality, idolatry, and it can no, idolatry can also be trusting other things just trusting in your job trusting in your status trusting in uh, your tech other things other than god this tends to be for many of many of us i don't i don't know how many of you are tempted to go and worship in an idol temple culturally that may be less less of a problem for some of you it's not a, it's, it is a problem still for many but you are tempted i can guarantee all of you are to Love your phone and trust your phone and listen to what Google tells you on how to live rather than the Word of God. You probably spend more time uh, reading magazines and websites and things that are, that are not to do with Scripture and probably applying that to our lives than we do to God's Word. We probably spend more time entertaining ourselves on films and various things, and that I'm not saying there's anything wrong with films or whatever, but what I'm saying is uh, they can become idols. 
So my joy is in this and this, and my trust is in this, and my life will be better if I do this, rather than seeing that ultimately Jesus is, is at my greatest interest, my greatest pleasure, my greatest joy. I haven't sold the books. He's still my number one thing, person. Over everything, idolatry. And, and, and if you want to reset your heart, you reset your heart through worship, as we were doing this morning. We reset it through singing praise to God. We reset it by setting our minds. In, in um, Colossians 3, it says, set your minds on things above, or rather, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Then it says, set your mind on things above. And the two things go together. The doorway to the heart is the mind. That's why teaching is so important. What you think about is what changes your heart. And the Word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, changes your ambitions, changes your, your, what you desire, changes your interests, changes your passions. And so worship Personal worship, worshipping together as a church, getting to community group and worshipping, coming to prayer meetings and worshipping, getting together with your brothers and sisters and worshipping, being devoted to being together is, is how you set your heart. We set our heart. The second one was sexuality, wasn't it? We could, we could put that more broadly. The first one was about our relationship with God. The second one is about our relationship with others. It, it's obviously expressed, when it's at its worst, in sexual immorality. Sexual sin. Paul says, treat younger women as sisters, older women as mothers with absolute purity. And the same would apply to women, wouldn't it? Of course. We treat each other as family. Oh, it's heinous, isn't it? Just, there should not be even a hint, Paul says, there should not be even a hint of sexual immorality amongst you. Just think about, you know, just, we're a family. Of course there should be no sexual immorality amongst us, right? Of course there shouldn't. Can you think of anything more repulsive to you? Can you think of anything more repulsive than sexual immorality in the family? In this family? In a, a family? In the church? They indulged in sexual immorality, it says. But we reset the heart by, by aiming for purity and by aiming for healthy relationships with each other, by fighting for it, by fleeing from sexual immorality, from, from, from seeking to have great friendships in the church. If you're married, by seeking to make your marriage as good as possible. If you're single, seeking purity, but also seeking great friendships of support and friendship. And There's so much health that God wants you to have. So we reset the heart by seeking good relationships. We reset the heart by worship. It says, do not test Christ here. Do not test him. That means to judge him. 
And we do it all the time. I don't, it, it, sometimes under the surface, and, I, and I've been brought face to face with this as I think as I've been preparing, under the surface, under the surface, under the surface, you know, God, God is loving, God loves you, and God is sovereign, but I hate my life. I hate my life. I, I hate this. I'm disappointed with this. This, this is, I'm not saying you shouldn't try to change bad things, but there should be an, an underlying sense of trust in God that he's, he is for you in this life. Even in the trials, that he's for you. He's not deserted you. We, we mustn't accuse God of sin. We mustn't do that. And we do do it. And that's why we need each other to encourage each other. So come on. Let me encourage you to trust God. Let me encourage you to remember his love. And that's probably that's kind of what Paul's doing here, isn't it, really? They accuse God. It's just, I'll just remind you of what happened to Israel in the desert. They traveled from Mount Hor, so they've gone out through the sea, they've passed through the sea, they're into the, into the wilderness, and it says this, they traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. Anybody uh, grow, grow impatient from time to time? Yeah? I do. I was thinking that through the worship, it came to mind, Matt, be patient. I was just, some stuff on my mind, be patient. Just be patient, Matt. I was reading a book in the week about um, leadership, and one of the things it talked about was patience. And I was like, Matt, I need to be more patient. just need to be more patient. But anyway, they were impatient. You're all impatient. I'm impatient. You're impatient with me now. Come on, get on with it, Matt. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke up. Again, they, sorry, they spoke against God and against Moses. They said, why, so the, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread. There's no water. We detest this miserable food. Sounds like my testimony, right? This is, sounds like me on some days. Why is my life like this? Why is it not like this? Why is their life better than mine? Why is my life so bad and this miserable? No, my food's lovely. Um, that's because I don't cook most of it all the time, so... There is no bread, but we can, we can moan, can't we? We can accuse God. Do you accuse God? Yeah, we all do. Are you accusing God right now? Or are you trusting him? It doesn't mean say I've got the answers for you. It's like we don't have the answers to suffering, do we? It's not like I can say it, suffer, suffering in your life is, you know, I don't know the answers, but what I can definitely tell you is this. God is trustworthy in it. God is faithful in it. In fact, you're more likely to pray for healing. You're more likely to pray for the end to that war. You're more likely to pray for a change in your job. You're more likely to pray for improvement in this, that, and the other. If you do trust that God is faithful and he's powerful, the devil wants you to accuse God, then you stop praying. So anyway, we test Christ. And the way we reset the heart through faith We reset the heart through faith. I'm going to trust you, Lord. I love what Paul says, and this kind of says it all, really. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. That's the wilderness we're in, right? These are the things that we, we well, thankfully we don't have to face war, right? But we, we do suffer things. As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's faith, you see. In these things, you love me. I may be suffering this, but you love me. We confess it. You are with me. You are for me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. You've not deserted me. Though the olive crop fail, though there are no sheep in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, says Habakkuk. Rather than testing, we put our faith in God, praise Him, we trust Him. And that's not always easy. But He didn't say it was easy, did He? He said it was in danger, nakedness, sword, persecution. That's what he said. It wasn't when you're in the hot tub. Then, even when I'm in the hot tub, I will remember your love. No, danger, nakedness, sword, difficulties. You can, you can, that's when you need to put your faith in his love. Finally, grumbling. Grumbling is like reverse worship. Having judged God, we then grumble. It's reverse worship. Oh Lord, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no. No, 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 no. And grumbling is it's just like under the it's it's it's, it's muttering. Matt is We say, you know, just under the surface, under the surface. Smouldering discontent. Droning on in a low, constant murmur. <laughs> Droning on. Reset your heart through speaking the truth in love. The band's going to come up. We're going to speak the truth in love now. We're going to turn from idolatry and we are going to say, you are my Lord. We're going to turn from testing and judging God and we're going to put our faith in him again. We're going to turn from grumbling and we're going to speak his praise. We set your heart through speaking the truth. Ephesians, Paul says it, doesn't he? Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head in Christ. So speaking the truth in love. In, he goes on to say later on in chapter 4 of Ephesians, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what's helpful for building us up and that's the kind of community we want to be right inspiring worship inspiring people who are struggling and people do struggle I'm not saying you shouldn't struggle I'm saying when our brothers and sisters are struggling we encourage them kindly and thoughtfully to put their faith back into God, to God. Set 
your heart. Set your heart. Stand. I'm just going to finish. It's so important to remember that God, when He speaks, always gives us the means of doing what He tells us to do. Faith, we've got to trust Him. It says this these things happened to them as examples, were written down as warnings for us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing, be careful you don't fall. Just close your eyes a minute. If you think you're standing, be careful you don't fall. I hope you feel the the humility here that I need you, Lord. I need my brothers and sisters. I need your help. I need the help of my church family if I'm going to keep standing. If you think you're standing, be careful you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what's common to all mankind. Brothers and sisters, idolatry is common to everyone. Every one of us. Sexual immorality, we all struggle with it. Every one of us. Of different kinds. Every single one of us struggles with sexual immorality. We all struggle with grumbling. We all struggle with judging God. But it says here God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, He will provide a way out. So you can endure it. So as you seek to set your heart on God, to love Him afresh, the Holy Spirit is here to help you. He's here to give you the strength. He's here to transform you. He's here to help you. Every single one of us. Let's set our heart now in worship. Maybe never lead us in prayer in a little while.